You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I am so glad that you are joining us again today for this podcast, Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. My name is Jacob Hawk, once again the host of this podcast and the Young Adults Minister here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ. We've just finished, in my estimation, what was a really inspirational series, listening to several of our elders here at Preston Crest talk about things that we need to be thankful for, from being thankful to our country, to our church families, to our physical families, to our careers, being thankful for prayer, being thankful for uh, the Word of God. All of these men did an exceptional job reminding us about the things in life that are most important, and I'm sure that down the road, Uh, you will have the opportunity to hear from more of our Pressing Crest shepherds. It is so important for our congregations to know their leaders on a real personal level. But it is what I call by far the best time of the year. We have moved out of the quote-unquote Thanksgiving season of turkey and dressing more to the Christmas season of gifts and the rush of shoppers and once again some family gatherings gifts under the tree and it is as i said my favorite time of the year and so as we are coming into christmas this week i wanted to offer just what you could call a quote unquote christmas devotional christmas thought but before we get there i want to talk about one of the great traditions of the church And I mean a gift directly from heaven. It has God's hand all over it, and that's what I like to call the potluck lunch. Do you remember the potluck lunch at church? It's been a while since any church has had them. At least I hope it's been a while since any church has had them. You don't really want the COVID-19 special sitting out on the church potluck line. But think back to the potluck lunch, particularly if you were raised in a smaller, more rural type of church setting. There's all kinds of dishes, all kinds of casseroles, all kinds of desserts. For the young child and for those with the quick metabolism, the sky is the limit. I remember in college, we would even choose our churches based on who had the best potluck and which weeks they served them. But as one who doesn't usually cook, I have always wondered, how do you decide what you're going to bring for a potluck? 
When you're walking the aisles of the grocery store, what light goes off in your head that says, ah, this time, this time I'll bring the green beans. This time I'll bring the dinner rolls. This time I'll bring another casserole with another type of chicken. Because let's be honest, some things show up at the potluck that nobody knows what it is. And let's also be honest that some things show up at the potluck that probably shouldn't be there. In fact, things that may have been left over from the previous month's potluck that was thrown into the freezer and then reheated to enjoy 30 days later. In 11 years of preaching, I've seen many a potluck meal. And I made the mistake one time of telling a dear sister in Christ that I really loved her casserole. Preachers should never lie. That wasn't my most honest moment. And I paid the price because after that, you know what she brought every potluck for the rest of my time at that church? That casserole. And she made a distinct effort to come and find me and to say, Hey, Jacob, guess what I brought? It's down at the end. Be sure and get you some. And then one Christmas, she came up to me on a Sunday and she said, I've got a surprise for you. And I thought, well, maybe she's made something else. Wrong. It was the same casserole, but yet this time, double jeopardy, because she made me not one casserole, but two casseroles for me to take home and enjoy. And no, I will never disclose which casserole that may have been. But there's another story, very popular this time of the year, about bringing some things much more important than casseroles. It's a story about wise men who followed a star in the night to bring gifts to this child of promise. It's what the religious world has called for many years the Christmas story. Now, if we are to be honest and responsible Bible students, I do think it is at least wise to mention that traditions have developed about the Christmas story that the Bible never confirms. Traditions say that three wise men came to see this baby Jesus, but it could have been more than three. People just assumed there were three wise men because there were three gifts that were brought. Tradition has said that Jesus was born on December 25th, and again, the Bible doesn't tell us when Jesus was born. We picture the wise men leaning over the manger to see baby Jesus, but that may not be right either because Matthew in his gospel account tells us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, that they entered a house. So by the time that the wise men had arrived, Joseph and Mary and Jesus had received better accommodations. They had been upgraded from a manger to some type of room in some type of house. And by the time the Magi arrived, Jesus had probably already been dedicated at the temple, making him at the very earliest at least six weeks old. 
So the tradition of the Christmas story and the teaching of the Bible, they don't always perfectly align. But with that being said, many people think about this story this time of the year, and I guess for that we should be thankful because our world has a tendency to think about so many things other than Jesus. Even though we don't know for sure when Jesus was born, we obviously do rejoice in the fact that he was, because his birth changed everything, just like his death and his resurrection changed everything. And I guess it goes without being said that there would have been no resurrection if there had not been a birth. And so for just a few moments today, I want to focus on those gifts that were brought to Jesus. The Bible does tell us that the Magi brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But have you ever wondered why did they bring these gifts of all the things that they could have chosen? Why these three? Some people have said that they brought frankincense because it was good for arthritis. Can you imagine? Jesus was a baby. What kind of baby has arthritis? Jesus was not Benjamin Button. So why these gifts? I heard a joke one time that said, we can know for sure that Jesus wasn't born in Washington, D.C., and here's how we know. They could not find three wise men. Okay, maybe that's too soon. But the point is, these gifts were very significant. Here are some facts about these three gifts. First of all, with the gold, just like today, at this time in history, gold was a very expensive gift. And in the Old Testament, it was used to show honor and reverence. The Ark of the Covenant and the Temple, they were both adorned with gold. Gold was very fitting for a king. And then the incense, or the frankincense. In its day, frankincense was the best-selling perfume. Today, if you walk up to the counter at Dillard's or Nordstrom's to buy something for a significant other or a spouse, they probably won't have frankincense. If you tell the beauty advisor, which is what I learned this past week, what they're called. If you tell the beauty advisor, I'd like to try frankincense by Chanel, they may look at you like you're from a different planet. But this incense, this frankincense, had such a pleasing aroma that priests used it during sacrifices. Frankincense was associated with holiness and righteousness. A fitting gift for Jesus. And then there was the myrrh, probably the least exciting of the three gifts. Myrrh came from trees in Arabia, and it too had a pleasing smell. Myrrh was used for the embalming process, and it was an ancient pain reliever. Jesus, when he was on the cross, was given vinegar mixed with gall, which he refused. Gall and myrrh are basically the same thing. It's ironic that Jesus was given myrrh as a young child or a baby and then offered it again hours before he died. 
But you see, these gifts, they also served a purpose. In fact, we could say that they were providential. After Jesus is born, an angel tells Joseph to take the family to Egypt to escape King Herod. Many believe that the gold financed their lengthy trip. If that's true, one could argue that the gold played a part in saving Jesus' earthly life. There were great symbolisms in each gift, symbolisms that point to three different prophecies and three different descriptions of Jesus, that he would be a prophet, a priest, and a king. A prophet was an anointed person given the job to speak on behalf of God for his people. Well, Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one. Myrrh was used for anointing. A priest was in charge of offering sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Jesus becomes the great high priest for all Christians. Frankincense was used by priests in the burning of incense. Kings who ruled over the people owned tremendous amounts of gold. Jesus was the king of kings. But beyond the information and the facts about the gifts and even the purpose of the gifts, we can know these truths beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Magi, when they came, came to worship Jesus. They did not come to worship Mary. They came to worship Jesus. And they knew enough to bring with them gifts of value. That's because when you approach royalty... You don't show up empty-handed, but you bring the very best that you can offer. And so with that being said, I want to ask this question. If you were going to visit Jesus, what would you bring? If you were going to visit Jesus... What would you bring? Because he certainly deserves our very best. And when we show up to see royalty, we don't need to show up empty-handed. And as we approach this Christmas season and this Christmas week, I would suggest that we bring with us these three very important things. First of all, we should bring our faith. And I'm not talking about bringing him our singing and our communing and our studying as we do on Sundays. I'm talking about bringing him our most prized possession. Here's how Jesus described that most prized possession in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Jesus said, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul. There is absolutely nothing in this world more valuable to you and more valuable to God than your soul. And who is the only one who is responsible for your soul? You are. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that. 
The Bible teaches us that elders who oversee local congregations of the Lord's people, they are there to help guard and shepherd our souls. And ministers preach and teach to strengthen our souls. But we are the only ones who are in charge of our soul. It is our most prized possession. And so we must bring it to Jesus. And Jesus told us how to do that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek it first. Not second, not third, or even seventh or eighth on our list for the week. We seek it first. And we all know deep down if we're doing that. We know if we are bringing him our best, and we know if we are bringing him our leftovers. And if we are bringing God anything other than our best, something has to change immediately. Secondly, not only should we bring him our faith, but we should bring him our family. Family is one of the greatest blessings of God. But just like with our souls, family comes with responsibility. It's good to be reminded from time to time as parents what our greatest responsibility is. Living in America, in an educated society, it is so easy to convince ourselves that our greatest responsibility as parents is to help our children have the best education and help pay for the best education so they can do well in life. And don't get me wrong, education is vitally important to their success and their development as human beings. But as parents, our greatest responsibility is not our children's education. It's not to make sure that they have a lot of friends. It's not to provide them the great summer vacations or the nice cars or the latest gadgets. Our greatest responsibility for our children is to help lead them to heaven. As a spouse, that's also our greatest responsibility, is to help our spouse get to heaven, to love them more than we love ourselves, to help them grow in their faith as we grow in ours at the same time. And the way that we accomplish that is by bringing our families to Jesus. We should pray for our spouse every day. And not just when we're on our own, but pray for our spouse when our spouse can hear us praying for them directly. Lift them up before the throne. Pray for them by name. Let God know and let them hear how thankful we are to have them in our lives. And while we pray for our spouses, we pray for our children. We start when our children are very young about praying about who they will choose to marry one day. About praying for our children when they are faced with temptation, that they will have the courage and the strength to stand against it. About praying for us that we will know how to discipline, what to say, and when. And if we pray for our children every day, just like we pray for our spouse, I bet we see more children remaining faithful to the Lord than we have in many years because we brought our children 
to Jesus. Our families are way too important not to bring them to the King of Kings. And finally, just like we bring Jesus, our faith, and our families, we need to bring him our future. Tomorrow is always a mystery. When we're younger, tomorrow is exciting. We're intrigued about what we'll accomplish, about what lies around the corner, the places we'll go, the things we'll experience. When we get older, tomorrow kind of loses its glimmer. It becomes more of a burden than it is a blessing. But we need to bring tomorrow to the one who already holds it in his hands. God, speaking through his prophet Jeremiah, said, I know the plans I have for you. You don't know them, but I do. And what I do want you to know about my plans is that with my plans, I plan to give you a hope and a future. If we truly seek after God, if we wait for Him to make it clear to us what we are to do, He will bless it. Because we brought our future to Him. One of my favorite stories is about Moses in the Old Testament. God was very displeased once again with Israel because they had been disobeying what God had asked them to do after he had brought them out of Egypt, after he had saved their lives and released them from the burden of slavery. And finally, God was so fed up with Israel that he told Israel through Moses, I'm not going to go with you another step. You can go into the promised land on your own, but you are flying solo. And Moses pleaded to God, asked him not to do that. In fact, Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. What a beautiful statement that was. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses was in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And what Moses was telling God was, I would rather spend the rest of my life in the wilderness with you than to be in the promised land one day without you. Having God's blessing and having God's presence with us is our greatest goal in life. And we can only do that if we bring to God our future, just like we bring Him our faith and our families. So I ask you again, if you could bring gifts to Jesus, what would you bring? You could bring many things, but these three need to be at the top of your list. In my offices in years past and now in my home, I have a large array of artwork drawn by the best artist I know, two little blonde-headed boys named Hayden and Hudson Hawk. 
A third blonde-headed boy named Hewitt Hawk will soon join the ranks. But my boys take those pictures very seriously. In fact, Hayden, when he was younger, after he would draw a picture, he would bring it to my office, think very carefully about where he wanted it to be displayed, and then he would watch me tape them to my door or my cabinet. And if I did not do it correctly, well, he would let me know. But my boys are so proud of those pictures because at their young and innocent age, these pictures are the very best that they have to offer. They are gifts that they brought to their father. And I could not be any prouder to have them. Dear friends, our faith and our family and our future is the very best that we have to offer. And we can bring them to many different sources. But there is no better source than to bring them to the King of Kings. And he will not be any prouder to receive them. I hope you have a great Christmas with your family. May I wish you a Merry Christmas. And may you see God's greatest blessings in your life. I look forward to talking with you next time.